Everyone's a fruit and a nutcase. It keeps you going when you toss the cane up. Whatever you are doing, punting, canoeing, is nutritious and pretitious to judiciously be chewing. Happy Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Museum of Comedy podcast. This week's guest, presented by the Museum of Comedy and Robert Ross, is Sally Jeeson. <laughs> Those that can have to be here in the person uh, have just seen Versus House, The Frozen Limit, um, from the last series in 1976. Yeah. So memories of that particular episode? Oh, I remember it so well. I've been mean, seeing it like that. I haven't seen it for a long time, but I do remember it because it was one of the last episodes we ever made. It was the last series um, in 1976, and of course shortly after that filming, Sid died. You know? So it was very, very relevant, that episode, actually. Um, but it was a wonderful episode, wasn't it? I remember it extremely well, and I was expecting my first baby. So, and you may have noticed Diana every so often kept going like that, protecting me. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. And a, a great script. Dave Freeman, who wrote some of my favourite episodes, was was really knew uh, your characters, obviously, but, but yeah. could write for Sid really well, yes. me and all of you. But um, I think I think Sid's reactions in in that particular episode were just fantastic, weren't they? And the, um, I can't see you out there. <laughs> They're out there somewhere, in the gloom. Um, no, I thought his reactions were spot on in his balaclava. That's what Sid was so fantastic at, reacting, wasn't he? He called himself a reactor. We're, we're away from, this, from the sad, obviously, the, 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 the poignancy of, of that. But, but as you mentioned, it was, it was towards Henry's life. And, and the last episode of that series actually was broadcast just four days before he died. So mm. it's hard to, for me, certainly, to imagine being a fan of the show, to watch that episode go out and then him die within a week. I mean, what was the reaction, obviously from, from your point of view, but from, 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 the, from the public when, when Sid died? Well, it was a huge reaction. Um, I'm, you know, it's something you would never forget because he was so popular. Um, it was like a real grieving, you know, everybody loved Sid James and he was gone. and It was a huge shock. I remember I heard about it, I was at home, because of course I was with William G. Stewart the producer-director, and we had our family. Well, actually, we'd had our first baby. we just had Barney, my first son. And um, he was born on March the 24th, and Sid died on this day, April the 26th. And I got a phone call from somebody saying, um, oh, have you seen the news? And Sid has, has died. And I oh, no. And, and I went into the bathroom, and Bill was in the bathroom, and I had to tell him. And it was awful, awful. Yeah, it was such a shock. We weren't, we didn't see it coming. No, no. I mean, he, he looks really quite fit. I mean, obviously a man of 62, but he looks agile and he's, his timing's perfect as always, isn't perfect. it? So, yeah. yeah, but yeah. Let's, let's go back to the, to the start of that show and, and, and how you first got Bliss's house. Okay, well, um, in 1970 or 1969, so long ago, um, I, <laughs> I auditioned for Father, Dear Father with Patrick Cargill which was also made at Thames Television. And William G. Stewart, Bill, was producing and directing that. And it's the first time I met him. And he said, oh, yes, you're very nice. He said, Sally, I like you, but you're really not right for this part. I want two very posh girls, and I don't think you're that posh. So I said, okay. <laughs> and then he said, but I will have something for you one day. And I remember thinking as I walked out of Thames Television, I've heard that before. But um, sure enough. He did ring me up, or rang my agent, and I went along, and he said, I'd like you to meet Sid James. And um, there was Sid in his office um, when I got there, and he was just delightful. And uh, he called me Sal, <laughs> straight away. And uh, I got the part as Sally. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And, I mean, it was quite a departure for Sid, because obviously the carry-ons and, and on television, Hancock's half hour, it always sort of played you know, the, the, the lovable crook in a way. And I know, I know Vince Powell, who, who wrote the first episode, suggested to, to the heads at Thames to, to make him a family man, and, and Sid was quite happy about mm. changing that. I mean, did, did, you, did you sense from him that he was relieved to be playing, you know, something slightly different in a way? Yes, I think he really relished the thought of playing a family man. He was a family man himself. He was married to lovely Val, had two lovely children, similar ages to me and Robin. So he knew all about teenagers, even though I... Neither of us were teenagers, in fact. We were much older than we played. It's acting, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was playing a school girl. I was in a school uniform, and I was actually in my 20s. <laughs> but, um... yeah, don't go there, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, Sid 
it was a very different idea for Sid to play a family man, wasn't it? He'd never done this before. Very new vehicle, but he was, he just slipped into it perfectly, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, um, and what was your uh, um, thoughts about, about working with him? You obviously knew um, from, from TV and, and films, but, when, but had you had some sort of preconception about what he was going to be like? Or you just... Yeah, I imagined Sid to be the character that I'd seen in the Carry On films, the, a real um, cool, blimey type. Mm. Uh, that's what I thought he'd be like. But he wasn't like that. He was a very, very classy guy. He was beautifully dressed and very relaxed. And he, um, I mean, he sat back in his in Bill's chair, in Bill's office, and he went, hello. You know, he was just sort of so relaxed. And I thought, wow, that's not what I expected. Um, yeah. But it was delightful. And he made you feel comfortable straight away. I, I took on the role of his daughter, and I really had a great friendship with him. Um, I was very fond of him. Well, we all were. And Diana Cooper, was she at that meeting as well? Or was that, was no, that it was just me. Just... I don't know when Diana actually got the part, or Robin Stewart got the part. That was, that was me. And um, I was very excited to play Sid James' daughter, imagine that. And for how long? Gosh, it went on forever, didn't it? Yeah, a while, yeah. I mean, it, it was said, uh, there was, there was there's Thames correspondence that that last series was going to be the last series anyway, regardless of, of Sid's no, answer. No, that, that not no, no, that's no. not true. No, it was certainly it was... mentioned in, in some, some correspondence. But, okay. Well, someone's made that up. That wasn't, that wasn't the truth. No, it was going to go on and on and on. And what was true, was what Sid said to Diana. He said, we'll go on doing this until one of us kicks the bucket. And sadly, it turned out to be Sid. But uh, no, there were no plans to scrap it. There were plans to go on. And would you have been happy to, to go on until whenever? Well, now, I, now. <laughs> I guess if it had gone on, yes, I'd have got married. I'm yeah. sure Sally, the character, would have got married and had children, of wouldn't course, she? Yeah. And Robin would have stayed a layabout. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, there, there, it, it was at the time of the seventies. A, a lot of uh, uh, TV shows uh, went to, to feature film, and there was a, a, a film version of Bless House made by yeah. the, the Carry On people. Yes, Peter uh, Rogers and Jerry Thomas yeah. made the movie. So, so was was that a different sort of uh, you know uh, feel to making that film, or, or not? Um, it was different, actually. I think just making a film is different from when you're in the television studios. And we worked at Thames Television for all those years, which was the most glorious place to work. It was home from home, um, there at Teddington on the river. It was beautiful, um, and you knew everybody. But working on a film is very different, and the carry-on films were made very, very quickly, in a matter of about six weeks, I think, and so was Blessed His House made very quickly. Is that for me? No, it's me. <laughs> Just so I can keep an eye on the time. Um, <laughs> professionalism. Um, but, um, and obviously, you'd been in a uh, Karen prior to the Versus House film, yeah. Karen Abroad. Yeah. Um, well, again, was that, was that a sort of Sid influence, or was that, you know... Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Sid put a word in for me. I had actually made a carry-on film as a child, mm. carry-on regardless. I think it was a very small part. So it wasn't completely new to me. But uh, yeah, they asked me to be in the Carry On Abroad, which was a fantastic film to be in. I finally found you in Karen Gars after years of searching. <laughs> Did you can go back and look at the scene where Kenneth Williams is um, um, uh, mucking about with the toys in the Idol Home Exhibition bit. Sal was one of the, the school kids in the crowd. <laughs> so you just freeze frame and see you there. So Somebody gave me a DVD just the other day, actually, of a film called Don't, Lo Don't Raise the Bridge, Lower the River mm -hmm. with Jerry Lewis. And I played a girl guide. And there I was, this girl guide. And I thought, good Lord, I, I hadn't even seen this film when it came out, let alone now. <laughs> you were quite a lot of films. I mean, yeah. let's go back and, and back and back and back. Uh, you were in a film with Sid called Desert Mice as well. In, in, Sorry. Uh, yeah, you were. And, uh, <laughs> and one of the Centrinians films, Pure Hell of yeah. Centrinians. So, so yeah. how, how did you um, break into, into acting as a, as a career in the first well, I went to drama school when I was seven, and my sister Judy, Judy Jason, went to uh, the same school as me, and we both started acting as soon as we started school, really. And it was like that in those days. You went from one job to another. Sometimes you'd have a bigger part, sometimes you'd have a smaller part, sometimes you wouldn't have any lines at all. But you just kept working. It was uh, an extraordinary time. It's not like that today. I think actresses have a much harder time. They don't have as much work because there's so many actresses and there's so much reality television now. But uh, it was great in those days. So you went either to a telly or a film or something. It was wonderful. And your drama school, you were at Corona? I was at Corona, yeah. Corona Bay. And um, who are your, your contemporaries? 
Um, Richard O'Sullivan and Dennis Waterman and Francesca Annis, Susan George, Judy, myself. They never, never worked again, any of them, did they? But, so, <laughs> um, that's a, that's a hell of a, hell of a, a, a cast of people to, to, yeah, to learn. We, to we learn. Yeah, we were all there. So, so I mean, I mean would, would people go to the school and, and, and pick you out for, for adverts or, or bit parts in films? Or how, is that how it works? Or? No, what, what used to happen was you'd, you'd be doing your um, education in the morning. The mornings were always lessons and the afternoon was drama, tap and valley and singing, that sort of thing. And at lunchtime, one of the prefects would come round with a, a clipboard and all the auditions that were going on that afternoon. So she might say, oh, Susan, George, you're going for an audition. Oh, Sally, you're going too. And Susan and I would go for an audition and one of us would get it. Very often it was Susan. <laughs> Sometimes it was me. Um, and so on, and that's how it happened. So I made um, hundreds of television commercials because I had the sort of little rosy cheeks and, I don't know, it just seemed to be right for commercials and lots of modelling. And Judy did a lot of drama. Um, yeah, that's just the way it was. Mm. And you, you were photographed by all sorts of amazing people like Roy Litchfield and David yeah. Bailey and people, weren't you? Oh, my God, that's so... Yes. I remember going to David Bailey's studio, he won't remember me, that's for sure. <laughs> but I, I remember going there thinking, oh, David Bailey, you know, there were all these clothes in the dressing room. It was very impressive. I remember. I mean, you, I mean, you were a baby, but we're talking about the 60s, where, it, where actually yeah. fame was, was, was really famous, wasn't it? I mean, you know, people like Bailey were, were making and really, breaking yeah. people all the time. So, I mean, well, I mean, you know, we talk about the 60s now. If you if you were there, you know, you, you, you know, I wasn't there, obviously. But um, you know, what 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 was it like? Was was it was it as wild as, as people make out? Was it as uh, I think as I, druggy and, and boozy as, as we hope it was? Probably, but I I do know that I was actually quite a nice girl. <laughs> I, <still> mean, <laughs> I didn't take drugs or anything like that, and neither did Judy. We, mm. we were brought up very well, and we just had we were just normal girls, and. Um, I think I must have missed out, actually, on that. I don't know. Because lots of people say, whoa, the wow, the 60s, you know, and I think, oh, okay. But, no, I think I was busy working, I had a nice boyfriend, usually, and mm -hmm. everything was great. It's never too late. We can, we can <laughs> start it again. Um, but, I mean, so you say you, you, you were never out of work, really. I mean, I mean, was it a case, did, did you want to be a model or an actor? I mean, I suppose actor was, was your, your main ambition. I, I wanted. I loved acting. Yeah. I, the reason I did modelling sometimes was because I was tall and I was quite slim, you know, and I just seemed to photograph okay, yeah. not bad. Yeah. Um, so that's why. So what would you say was was the film? Was it probably um, he would go around the Morby Bush. Was that was that a, a sort of quite a breakthrough for you? Okay, no, that was a, part, that was a big so. part for yeah, Judy. Yeah, but you were in there, weren't you? I think I was just yeah. a little tiny bit. But no, I would say. Um, the big film for me was What's Good for the Goose with Norman Wisdom. That was a really big part opposite Norman, and it was marvellous. That was my big role. So memories of that, because because um, that's quite a big deal to be the leading lady against uh, a star of Norman's yeah. magnitude, isn't well, it? Well, that was for Tygon Films, and it, their offices are in Wardour Street. Well, they were in Wardour Street. And I... Um, my mum, I phoned my mum, because we didn't have mobile phones then, and I phoned her, and I'd been swimming. And she said, oh, get along, I get along to Tygon Films, Sally. There's an audition. And I said, oh, I look dreadful. And she said, no, no, you've got to go, you've got to go. Anyway, because I look sort of hippie-ish, I suppose, having come out swimming baths, I got the part. And Tony Tenser was the producer, and Menachem Golan was the director, because he went on to own Canon Cinemas and has recently passed away, but he became a very big name. But even then, he was making great movies. Fiddler on the Roof, wasn't it? Yeah. Quite a few things. Um, and he directed that, that film. And it was wonderful to work with Norman. And it wasn't the biggest success, because it was um, a bit of a deviation for Norman. It's, he hadn't made film a film like this before. It was a love interest. I was his girlfriend in it. And um, it didn't go down well with his fans. But nevertheless, it did jolly well at the box office, and it was a great start for me. Because he'd been in America for about two or three years and, and hadn't made a film in this country for maybe three or four years. Mm. And as you say, it, it, it was, it's basically a sex comedy, isn't it? So yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, I'm sure Norman's fans are a little bit um, they were shocked. shocked by it, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and to, to 
Sable blushes here, but there are two versions that I went there. There was there was a, oh. a, a no, no, but it's oh, interesting. It's interesting. There's, there were two versions: a, a, a sort of continental uh. version and a, and a British version. So oh, Hillary! Watch. Hillary's my next one, but she won't like to hear that, will you? Watch, watch, watch the British. She knows me as a nice girl. <laughs> Well, the bizarre thing is the British version is a lot longer. It's about twenty minutes longer because it ends with, on a happy ending. The, the, the German version doesn't. It's, it ends quite, quite depressingly. Really, you so, can't so, buy it now. So, so watch the British one. Anyway, um, but but Norman, um, was, he, was he concerned by it? You think, or, or was he up for the challenge? I think he was up for the challenge mm. of, the, of the part, and he was a lot like Sid. You know, Norman was a meticulous man. He, he rehearsed and he wanted everything just right, and Sid was the same. A lot of people have said to me, oh, I hear Sid James didn't rehearse. Well, that's absolute rubbish. He rehearsed like the rest of us, and we used to rehearse, actually, in a scout hall, just down the road yeah. from the studio, and he, he was very, very thorough. Mm. And you so know, was Norman. But watching that today, you know, I mean, all that business, and you, you can't just do that on, yeah. on spec, can you? Yeah. You need to learn that and go through with, the, with your fellow actors and whatever. Yeah. Yes, you do. Uh, and I suppose in a way that's a nice thing because if people think it looks so natural that it's just, you know, spontaneous, then, then that's a tribute to an actor, isn't it? That mm. makes it look so natural. Yeah. But, uh, so Norman was the same. Norman was that Yes, same. he was spot on yeah. and terribly helpful to me because I was young, I was 19, and I needed some guidance working with such a brilliant mm. man. And you mentioned Tiger, and you, you did a, a couple of uh, uh, horror films around that time too, didn't you? Um, For American International. Yes, yeah. So, because um, Tiger were main, mainly doing horror films, and you did that with um, uh, Vincent Price and, and Christopher Lee. And I, I, as, again, people who know me well know of my obsession with, with uh, British horror films. So, what was it like to work with Vincent Price? That's great. He was great. He was funny. He was fun. He was a great cook. <laughs> I remember that. And he was just a lovely guy. To work with, mm. it's a pleasure and, and a thrill to work with a king like him. So there was, it was the Oblong Box, wasn't it? And mm. uh, Cry of the Banshee. Yeah. So any any particular memories of of, of, uh, of either of those films that stands out? Well, the Oblong Box was great fun. I mean, it was lovely, and I played Sally. I've played Sally in nearly every. Always Sally. I'm always playing Sally. Give you a contract, I think. <laughs> but anyway, I was Sally, and. Um, was the baddie. Well, he wasn't really a baddie, the character, was he? He was poor guy. Fate had been unkind to him. And um, he was after me, though, wasn't he? Mm. He loved Sally. It's basically in, in the plot, it's a person whose face has been turned inside out by a mm. sort of voodoo curse, and he's got this crimson mask over his face, isn't mm. he? And his brother is Vincent Price, and, and Vincent Price should have had the mask. It's all very bad. So anyway, um, that was great fun. And the other one, The Cry of the Banshee, I had to um, be shot in the side and die. And I, and I always remember the first time we did it, because you have to get it right the first time when you've got a blood bag. I didn't get it right. I sort of went, I, I can remember distinctly being shot and then going, Oh, <laughs> well, that was hopeless, <laughs> hopeless, <laughs> having not been shot before. <laughs> so, wardrobe change. Or since, hopefully. But I mean, they they become you know cult films now. I mean, oh. I, I know I know you, you, you did sort of the the, the, the cult convention circus and stuff. I mean, are those films that, that come up a lot? For autographs and that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. I've recently been at Windsor doing the pantomime there, um, Beauty and the Beast, at the Theatre Royal. And the amount of people who came, it was lovely. Um, and they had all these photographs of the horror films as well. I mean, I mean do, doing those horror films, doing the carry-ons, uh, doing Bess's House, I'm sure at the time you had no idea they'd be here, you know, years and years afterwards, and, and, and enjoyed and loved, if not more so than they were when you made them. I mean, is that, is that quite a thrill for you as an actor? I'm not surprised about Bless's House. Okay. I'm really not surprised because Sid was, fre he's forever, isn't he? And I wasn't surprised about the Carry On films because they're forever too. Mm -hmm. And did anybody see the wonderful programme, Carry On Forever, on ITV3? You saw it, Nathan, didn't mm -hmm. you? Yeah. And um, yeah, they're just fantastic, aren't they? Well, I like them, yeah. But, um, <laughs> and my, Robert was in it. It's my, no, you were in it too, Sam. Um, it's my pension. Um, but um, no, I was really pleased with those shows because uh, we were trying to make a, an affectionate programme. I hope that came across. And, yeah. uh, and we've got some amazing viewing figures. So, hurrah for ITV3. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, but I mean, it, the carry-ons are forever, but uh, it's, it's, it's a quality of work, isn't it? I think there's an integrity of those films and, and the horror films you made, and the normals in the film. There's a real love and affection and quality to those that, that will never die, I think. And that's, you know, that's, 
it's obviously why you know we're, we're still talking about them um, yeah. years later. Yes. It's, uh, it's very important. I was stuff. lucky to have been in those particular films mm. Mm. and to have worked with someone like Sir James. And the other comedians you work with, uh, you work with Bob Monkhouse. Yes, he played my dad, and Harry Worth played my uncle. Um, I've had lots of relatives <laughs> <laughs> uh, with great funny people. Yes, and of course, working at Thames Television was, was totally amazing. Um, it was a, we called it the Fun Factory because all these wonderful programs that were made there. And who would you sort of bump into in the canteen, and what sort of stars were there? Well, I mean, over the years, because I stayed on at Thames for a little while after Blessed's House and before it, I'd done a couple of things. Um, so you would see Eric and Annie, and you would see Tommy Cooper and Benny Hill. Oh, Benny Hill, definitely. And Richard O'Sullivan. And just recently, I was with Jack Smethurst at something, Love Thy Neighbour. And he had a tribute lunch, and that was lovely. Oh, gosh, you know, Love Thy Neighbour was so popular, wasn't it? Yeah. Do we all remember it? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those ones that's again is, is, is considered a bit sort of um, um, hard to, to broadcast now. But as Vince Power again, who, who, who wrote a lot of the Blessed Houses, um, it, it wasn't a racist program. It was a program about you know the, the actual fact of the house prices would go down if if, yeah. a, if a black family moved next door to you. I now, think it never did that just, today. It was just it, but it was a, a cultural thing that actually happened. Yeah. And that was it. But still very funny scripts. But we were talking, Jack and I, about how popular Love Thy Neighbour was yeah. and Blessed House. So fortunately, our shows went out at different times of the year. But um, oh, oh, I was going to say something about Jack and it slipped my mind. Um, we'll come back to that. We'll come back. Oh no, no, that's it. It's come back to me. It was um, perfect timing. We had, a, we had a studio audience. I suppose probably about 500 people would come in every week to watch it public. So you not only had the cameras to think about, you had this audience, audience as well. And there was this, uh, it was in the last um, series, and it's just so funny because it was noticeable in that episode we've just watched. And we were about to record, and uh, there were many, many breakfast scenes that we had. We were nearly always eating breakfast. And Diana and I love this. We used to have bacon and all sorts of things. <laughs> anyway, um, and the scene started, and it was me and Sid sitting at the kitchen table. And Sid said something funny, and suddenly there was this really loud laugh from the audience. And it was like it was like a drill almost. This laugh. It was. Oh, I can't. Yes, and it went on and on and on and on. You see, and it was really loud. And Sid looked up from his bowl of cereal and he said, "It just went like that." He said, "What's that?" Anyway, this guy, his laugh was so loud, and it went on for so long. And um, Sid, eventually, you know, Bill, the director, used to think. To do something about this, we're going to have to edit it somehow because this man's laugh just went on and on, and there it was I in that episode. Yeah, exactly. Did I, you hear I hadn't it? noticed it before, but when you pushed out before we showed it, yes, absolutely. And Sid, Sid used to say every week after that, he used to say to Bill, "Is he in?" <laughs> <laughs> but you want people laughing, don't you? That's, that's, the, that's the good thing, but not but not too over the top. No, um, but he made the rest of the audience laugh, I think. <laughs> so, so what? Were, and obviously, because you, you must have done it. Like a, like a live theatre show in a way, it you know, was, the audience yeah. so, so talk me through a particular episode, let's say that one for example, how, how much rehearsal time do you have? Okay, so we would rehearse for one whole week, which is unheard of these days, I don't think any show does that now, uh, you just go in and do it, with a, you know, a few, few rehearsals, but yeah, we had a whole week and we'd rehearse down the road in, in the scout hall from Thames Television, and then you'd come into Studio One on recording day, which was always the Sunday. You'd have a technical run. I've got a friend here today. Yes. I've got a friend who's with me today who can tell us a bit about that. But you'd have a technical run and um, on the Saturday and record on the Sunday. Mm -hmm. And it was marvellous. So really, so happy days. Okay, so, I'm going to tell on, you about you my friend on, here. On. As, you, as you let the cat out of the bag. Well, <laughs> I must start the story telling you this, though. I was um, working in education for a long time, 20 years, and one day I found a wallet in the classroom on the floor, you see, and I thought, oh, what's that? Someone's dropped their wallet. Who's this that, you see? So I picked it up and I took it to the school office and we opened it up and it said, Mr. Michael Burns, you see, and it had a, a press thing that he, meant he could get into press events. I thought, ooh, who is so anyway, um, the secretary said to me, oh, that's Mr. Burns. Yes, he comes to, to, to work as well. He comes here to help the students. He's absolutely wonderful. And I said, oh, I better ring him. So I rung this number and I said, oh, hello, Mr. Burns. Just to let you know, I found your wallet. And Mr. Burns said, oh, call me Mike, <laughs> or something like that, I think. And he said, it's okay. He said, um, 
I'm very glad you found it. Thank you, Sally. I'll, I'll pop into the school and, and collect it. So he came into the school the next time he was working there, and he came up to me and he said, do you remember me? He said, I was the cameraman on Bless This House at Thames Television for all those years. And here he is! Come on, Mike! Come up here! I was excited anyway. I don't care about you, I was excited. This is the very man who filmed the show. Well, so exciting. So do you want to take my seat for a minute, Mike, and, and have a... Mike, you come there. I can crouch behind you. Special bonus guest. Shall I stay here? Yes, please. Okay. Well, watching that brought back some happy memories for me, too. Yeah, yeah. It was um, a long time ago, but... Uh, yeah. I didn't work on that particular episode, I don't think. Didn't you, Mike? No. How, how long did you work at Tennis Well, I worked for 14 years. Yeah, I was there right from the beginning of Lester's House. And everything I was saying about the studio audience mm. and that sort of thing, wasn't it just yeah, it a was, wonderful atmosphere? It was. And um, on a Saturday morning, we used to come and watch you rehearsing in that scout hut. And then the Sunday was a special day because you had an audience and... Uh, you know, you had to do things pretty live, as you said, because, you know, you couldn't keep repeating things because people wouldn't laugh. Although we occasionally did have retakes. And often people actually used to laugh more on the retakes. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. And do you remember, Mike, when they used to introduce us to the audience every week? And they'd introduce me and, Diana, uh, me and Robin first. We'd always get a nice round of applause. Mm. And then it was Diana. Oh, they loved Diana. But it was when they introduced Sid. Mm. What happened? It was great, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that was, it was just a sort of buzz, wasn't it? Yeah, um, they used to cheer. Yes. <laughs> what do you think it was about Sid? Because obviously he's, he's loved to this day, and what was his, his sort of unique appeal? What do you think, Mike? Well, I think he was down to earth, wasn't he, really? And um, I mean, the amazing thing was, I think he was, he was South African, actually, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Was he South African? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yet he just came across as a down to earth, down -to -earth Englishman. That, I think that's what appealed to people, really. I think so, too. And I think Sid was, he was every guy's sort of bloke, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a bloke. Yeah. Everyone liked him. They'd say, good old Sid. They loved Sid, didn't they? Yeah. And um, that's how he was in life as well. He was such a nice guy. He was, always had time for people. He still do. And, um, and, and you mentioned Sue, uh, Sid's daughter, who sends a hug to you and uh, we're in touch with her as well. And, uh, and it's, she's, she's so touched by people who, who still love her. You know, her dad, because yeah. it's, it's a long time ago, but he's, he's still with us in a way, isn't he? Yes, he is. I mean, I think, I think about that episode, was the, the technical side of it, you know, that every time he banged on the, you know, it was incredibly well-timed, as you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. His timing was superb. Impeccable. Was yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, no, he was a pretty special sort of person. And, but we had, sorry. No, I was going to say the thing, which was a bit disappointing in that episode was that I think we were all, all the cameramen were, were in love with Sally, and <laughs> she she wore these incredible short skirts for quite a long time, and uh, that that was one of the highlights. I think. Oh, that's <laughs> not true. No, no short skirts in that episode because you were pregnant. <laughs> no, that's right. I got the yeah, shift on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably yes. You know, one of those nice memories we had. Yeah. And it was a happy show. I think we all got on. We yeah. did. The, the, the director, Bill Stewart, W.G. Stewart, was, you know, he, he made everything very enjoyable. And it was well planned, so there were no tantrums. No. No, it, was, it was a really nice Sunday, actually. And Bill used to do the warm-up. You know, you have a warm-up before the, before the show starts. Mm -hmm. And he was always very good at that. And I think he really liked it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then, of course, he went on to the other side of the camera and with 15 to 1. Yeah. And I, when Diana and I was used to say that's what he really wanted. Frustrating <laughs> performance. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Oh, Mike, well, thank you for that. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A treat from to hear, hear those. And you, you made obviously the technical side. You, you, you said you mentioned you were at Thames uh, uh, after Pleasure's uh, uh, House. You did a thing called Spooner's Patch, yes. didn't you? Um, uh, which, if you buy the DVD, the network DVD, you've actually got a whole uh, load of rushes of, of, a, of a studio session with, with fluffs and outtakes and whatever on the disc and Sal uh, doing her performance. So, so that was. Um, um, 
fun um, with uh, Ian Bannon, wasn't it? Yes, know, so. and Norman Rossington. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and at Thames, you were always asked to do lots of different shows. I remember being on the David Nixon magic show, mm -hmm. being magicked into a box and magicked out and swords coming in and all sorts of things like that. And then there was a programme called Who Done It? Do you remember yeah, Who Done It? And um, it was the very first series of it with Edward Woodward. Uh -huh. And I had to sit, and I was on the panel, and I remember sitting next to David Hemmings. Yeah. And being so absolutely in adoration of David Hemmings, I was useless on the program. <laughs> and I kept saying, well, well, who do you think did it, Sally? And I'm just thinking, sorry? <laughs> David Gordon, because he was gorgeous in those days. Yes. Yeah. So it's very funny, fans sometimes give me these DVDs, <clears throat> and I'm thrilled to bits. To get them. Well, I mean, you did, you did a lot of TV. I mean, uh, and you popped up all over the place, and, and, and it, it was an important time, as you said. There was so much work around, wasn't there? Mm. And, and um, I mean, what do you think happened? I mean, why, why did why did the, the, the television industry uh, change so radically from, from those days until until now, really? I think it's reality television because it's just that, yeah. we only had three channels. How many channels did we have when we were doing Bless the House, Mike? Was it just two, three? BBC Two, BBC One, One and ITV. Yeah. ITV. But there was loads of work. And everybody who was on television were actors or actresses. But today, the public are these stars, aren't they, really? We've got all these channels, but it's every program you click over to is a reality program, but you, but you are, which is you great. Are, you are back on television. We should mention this. And this, this is a funny story, because we know this a long time. And um, uh, But what, what happened a few years ago when, when you were recognized by somebody at your house? No, no, no. Uh, oh. Well, that was, that's how you got the, the advert, wasn't it? Oh, for Anglian yeah, Home yeah, Improvements. Yeah, yeah. Yes, come on. Yes, come on. Lovely windows. <laughs> Shapes. Um. No, I, I decided to have some windows put in my house mm. because my windows are quite drafty. And I thought, well, I've got to do it sometime. And I chose Anglian. And they came. And I said to the workman, Hillary will bear me up on this because she's my next door neighbour. And I said, uh, I think I ought to represent your company, guys. What do you think? These are the guys fitting the windows. And they're saying, yeah, we think so too, Sal. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, some by hook or by crook, I don't know how it happened. But they made me their ambassador. And so for two years now, I've been their ambassador. And I've made commercials for them and go to different events and speak a bit like this, really. Mm. And uh, do quite a lot for the WI, the Women's Institute. So, on behalf of Anglia. So, so can you see that as a as a possibility to, to break back into acting, or would you not do well, that? Well, no, I have been back yeah, in acting. Yeah. I, I mean, mean apart from obviously the stage, but I mean television. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd love to yeah. get a telly. Yeah. That would be great. Okay, anybody out there who's got contacts, um, that'd be great. But you mentioned uh, Panto. You hadn't done a lot of stage, have you really, before that? Or yes, I have. Yeah. I did a lot of stage um, over the years, really. Mm. I did all my rep to get my equity ticket. Mm. I mean, that's how you got your equity ticket in those days. The dark ages. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I did. And I did a lot of work for Bill Kenwright. And so when the pantomime came up this year, it was Bill Kenwright who gave me the part. Mm. And he came to the theatre to watch it came to a matinee with his grandchildren and he came up to my dressing room and we both decided we looked exactly the same. <laughs> we hadn't changed at all. But you know what, to me, Bill Kenwright is just the same because when you've known somebody a long time, he's such a nice man and he's been a good friend to me over the years. So any particular um, favourite uh, stage parts you had? Yes, the, the most favourite was with Bill and Bill was acting in it as well. It was called Butterflies Free. And um, he produced, directed, and acted the part, the main part. And there we were, and we were a couple, and we fell in love. And he was blind. He had to play a blind guy. Yeah. And I, my name was Jill Tanner. I had not to. Sally. No, no, I wasn't <laughs> Sally in that one. I had to decide: Do I really want to be with a man who's blind? You know. But I loved him so much that I did, and it had a very happy ending. Good night, Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so, uh, any others that, that sort of uh, spring to mind? Of, uh, well, I did a lot of comedy, of okay. course, and pantomime. I played the cat in Dick Whittington mm -hmm. in my big black furry suit, but not for a long time. No. So, so in the, past. Uh, the last season was Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Uh, and and this year? You, I don't know. Don't know. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to uh, find out, won't I? Because last year you were in, in Windsor, weren't you? And that, that was yes. sort of a homecoming, quite literally, um, for you, wasn't it? Yes, and I was with Sheila Ferguson. Do you remember the three degrees? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. What's her fam famous song? She sang it in the pantomime. Uh, when will I see you again? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sheila played my wicked sister. Right. So I was the good fairy, and she was the bad fairy. <laughs> <laughs> and she, we were great. It was lovely. But also, you, the location was was near to where you shot the Blessed House. Yes, I couldn't believe that. That the, the place where I lived, I had digs, I had a room, and um, the lady who owned the house, Jen said, do you know that the house you used for the film of Bless's House is just over there? So fancy that, all those years mm -hmm. later. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so um, um, we're running towards the end now and uh, open to questions from the audience. So if I can, okay. is, there, is there a roving microphone that I can have? Or just shout out to me? Shout out, please. Yes, shout out to me. Okay, thank you, Simon. For that. Um, <laughs> any, any hands up, please? Oh, Perhaps I've said everything. In the days of Bless This House, as I remember, they, there seemed to be ITV performers and BBC performers. Yes. Is that right? Were you precluded from working for the other side? You did work for the other side, but you're quite right about that. If you, if you had a series with the BBC, I think that was you worked for them mainly. I certainly worked for ITV a lot. Yes, I, I do say that is true. Does that answer your question? But you weren't, you, you were open to work for anybody. You, you, you were, and I did, say, I did, <coughs> yeah, I did work for the BBC, but I think I worked for the BBC a lot more before I went to Thames. Once I went to Thames, you worked for Thames, for ITV. Mm -hmm. You went on different jobs there. Certainly for Sir James, he was sort of the king of, of sitcom at Thames, wasn't he? He did yes. um, uh, George and the Dragon for ITV, certainly, and then Two and Clover, and then yes. Bless His House. Yes. He hadn't worked for the BBC since 1964 in Taxi. So um, he was a good, good 10 years at Thames, so uh, yeah. yeah, almost like, uh, not quite contracted were you, but you were, you were almost understanding that you were yeah. going to stay there. Yeah. Any, any more questions? Hard to see anybody. <laughs> I can, there's no hands. It's like, it's like the Simon D show, this. come on. Put your no, hand I think up. I've said everything. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on asking questions, I don't care. We can talk, we can talk stuff for ages. So we, we mentioned the carry-on, obviously, and, 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 and the fact that I think, um, uh, uh, Sid was quite influential in terms of, of certainly Gerald Thomas, the director. Robin's not here, alas. Um, but um, but do you know why he was he was not cast in the film, or is that? Uh, I do know why, actually. Yes. Tell um, all. Well, it was decided at quite short notice to make a film with Leicester's House, and Robin was um, assigned to do a, a, a play at Bournemouth called The Man Most Likely to at the Pier Theatre with Henry McGee. And that was his, he was under contract for that, so he had to do it. But as soon as the film was made, because Robin Asquith played the part in, in the movie, um, Robin Stewart came back and did the series. So he didn't lose his part, it was just for the film. Yeah, and also um, Tony Jackson, who played uh, Patsy, lovely Patsy Rowlands, uh, uh, his, his, uh, he played uh, husband in the TV series, yes. was replaced by Peter Butterworth in, yeah. the, in the movie, wasn't he? So, yes, yeah. I think that's because it was all made by Peter Rogers and Jerry yeah. Thomas, so they used some of their carry-on people, didn't they? Absolutely. Like Peter Butterworth, who was great. He was great. Yeah. One of my favourites too. Well, Tony Jackson was good too. I mean, yeah. we, we did a thing with Tony, yeah, sadly gone, unfortunately. Um, but we did a thing of Palmer Shooters, and you and, and, and I and, um, and, uh, and Tony Jackson, I think, many years ago. Um, but um, uh, so, mentioned Patty Rowlands, what about members of her? Because oh, she, she was, was wonderful, wasn't she? Yeah. Betty. And I mean, we were so lucky <coughs> to have Tony Jackson and Patsy Rowlands because they were perfect as the neighbours. And when you think how many episodes and scenes that Sid had with Tony Jackson, wasn't he great with him? Yeah. And Sid thought the world of Tony Jackson. He thought he was absolutely fabulous. And Patsy. Mm -hmm. We were a very, very united team. It was a happy show. And um, Bill Stewart, uh, he, he had like a repertory company. And of uh, all his programmes, and particularly Bless His House, he'd have the same actors coming in, playing different parts. And if you, if you look, you'll see them. Every episode, you think, oh, there's so-and-so again. <laughs> Well, it was, I mean, you believed it as, as a sort of a family unit. The four of you particularly were very, very close. Yeah, you? we looked natural together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and all great actors. So, I mean, that obviously, when you talk about the, the, the speed of the, of the turnover over of episodes, I mean, you made a lot of episodes, you know, and that's why. 72 there mm. were, um, although some people have said there's less, but I think there were 72. <laughs> Plus a film. Um, but, uh, and you also, you went through the, the, the technical strike when they had to go into black and white, didn't you? Black and white, yes. 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 So, I mean, 
how else did that affect you slightly, but not? I guess we were just filmed in black and white. But we had lots of different um, writers. Vince Powell and Harry Driver, of course, mm. created the series. They also created Love Thy Neighbor. Um, and we had all sorts of writers, John Watkins, Dave Freeman, Carl, Carl Lane. Lane. Yeah. So each writer wrote differently, actually. So uh, Vince used to write nicely for me, for example. He'd always give me a nice episode. Whereas Carla Lane wrote very nicely for Robin. Mm. And I used to think, hmm, it's not very fair. <laughs> <laughs> you, can always tell, you can always tell the writer, because the Carla Lane ones are very much domestic-based um, episodes, yeah. whereas the ones that Dave Freeman wrote, they're more sort of laddish. It's a lot of Sid and Tony Jackson down the pub sort of stuff, isn't yeah. it? So, I, I talk about Sid and, and Tony's relationship on, on mm. camera. It's very much Sid and Hancock, I think. I mean, some of the dialogue is, is similar. Did Sid ever talk about Tony Hancock? Obviously, he died at that point. Not to me, no. no. Mm. I think he did to Bill, because they were very good friends, yeah. him and Bill Stewart, very good friends. And, um, yeah, but not to me. I was young, remember, and but I, but I was still very good friends with him. So, I mean, would, would he almost... Uh, so osmosis, was it, was it like a sort of father-daughter relationship? Yes, it was very much like a father-daughter. He'd, he'd say to me, how are you today, darling? Sal. In fact, he called me Salary. <laughs> how are you, Salary? He'd say, and if I wasn't very well, because when you work with someone that long, yes, a long time, seven years, um, so if, suppose you had a cold or something, he'd be really concerned. He was a dear, he was a lovely man. And when, when you were out, I mean, you mentioned that and might mention the, the, the reaction of the audience when, mm. when you did them. When you're out on location, say, I mean, would you be mobbed by autograph hunters, or you probably all were? Well, everybody was very courteous to Sid because okay. they liked him. So there was none. There was no mobbing, so to speak. Okay. They were it was very much it's old. polite mobbing. Yeah, it was really good old Sid. They loved him. So we used to film in a house in New Malden, Howard Road, number two Howard Road, and um, <laughs> we did and. This was our location house. And New Malden in those days wasn't as busy as it is today. And people used to literally lock up their shops. They'd think, oh, bless his house is back today. You know? And we'd be there maybe a couple of times a year filming for the outside. And they'd lock the shops up and they'd all lie in the street. And as uh, Sid arrived and we all arrived, they'd wave to us all. It was really lovely. So, I mean, it's, it's an old thing, because for an actor, I mean, he almost transcended acting, didn't he? He became like a sort of public commodity in a way. And, and you mentioned before that, you know, you, people expect him to be that sort of person on, they saw on, on camera in real life. And I suppose, in a way, <coughs> Sidney Abbott, he, he was that person, wasn't he? He was that family man. And, um, yes, yeah. yes. He wasn't the character you saw in the Carry On films, sure, no, no. but he was the family man, mm. yes, very much so. But they also did uh, This Is Your Life with Diana Coupland, and Sid had always said to his family and to us and to everyone, don't ever <laughs> do that. I do not want that. I don't want to be, this is your life, okay? He, he didn't want that. But Diana did do it, and we, was, we were in Howard Road, and we were filming, and suddenly the black limousine came along with Eamon Andrews. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And uh, Diana, I don't know if she knew. You know, I sometimes, because she was, was very surprised. She went, oh, blah, 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 like this. And anyway, off she went to the studio, and we all went off to the studio. We came on as a family. It was lovely. Fantastic. It was. Any more questions out there? I can, I can carry on regardless of what is. What were the viewing figures, Sally? Have you any idea what viewing figures were for the show? It was off the top of my head. I don't, but it was it was good. I mean, you were yeah. always in the top one or two, weren't you? We were number one. Um, yeah, yeah. We're talking what, ten million. Or At least ten or twelve, I think. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that was from the whole for the whole run from seventy to seventy six. So there was no sort of dip at all. But I have said this before. One of our bonuses was because we went out at, on a Monday at eight o'clock, and um, on the other side, the one other channel, it was. Uh, BBC One Panorama. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and Sid used to say to Bill, and all of us, he said, "Great Panorama, we'll do well." But <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was good. They, they would, they loved the show so much, and I think obviously it was popular. But, but they, they didn't want to sort of put you against anything too successful. No. Um, you know, you, like, you mentioned the, the, the Carry On Forever show. I was quite concerned for the last part, which was out on the Sunday night, Easter Sunday. We were up against Poldark, and Poldark, yeah. you're missing it tonight, sorry, it's on tonight, but um, we were against Poldark, and we, we didn't dip at all, we, missed, we lost about 5,000 viewers, I think, to Poldark, so I was quite pleased with that. That was good, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so, and, and, and actually, my Twitter feed was lots of shots of Sid James from K 
carry on dick, a la pole dark with this sort of three cornered hat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and when Wolf Hall was on, I get lots of shots of Sid as Henry VIII rather than Damien Lewis. So uh, it's very much Sid rocks at the moment. So, yeah. Thanks for the question, Mike. Any more questions out there? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, question, when you did carry on board when you was in the, was it a car park where you did the beach thing? Yes. Uh, what was that like? Because I, I, when I saw the Japan I hadn't seen it for a little while. Was it windy and cold? Or? Windy, October. Was it October? <laughs> Robert knows everything. He knows more than me. Was it, it, was, it was spring, actually. But oh, was it spring? Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I knew you know. <laughs> it was very cold. Yeah, it was very cold. And um, it was a car park, so they put all that sand down. And then when they needed it to rain, the heavens had to open, they bought the fire engines and hosed us. And fire engine water is a lot colder than rain, I can tell you. <laughs> and poor, poor old Charles Hawtrey had to stay out there in the film and get wet, didn't he? He didn't run in like us. Um, no, it was all quite alarming. <laughs> and again, we're talking about the actors. I mean, oh gosh, uh, Broad's probably my all-time favourite. There was a, we did a show again a few years ago. This, this is what we do. Um, uh, top ten carry-ons, and I think the broad one. Um, uh, a bit more influence there. But it's the it's the last the last um, hurrah for all the, the greats. Hawtrey's last film, yeah. and John Sims is there, and Kenneth Connor, yeah. and Bernard Breslau. I mean, you work with so many great comedy actors. Here. I was lucky. I was lucky. Yes, and of course, it's a very happy job working in comedy because everyone's funny, aren't they? So you do enjoy yourself. But you were actors rather than comedians, weren't you? you, you I think Sid was, Sid was an actor, a mm. comedy actor. Yeah. He wasn't a comedian. He was a comedy actor. But we had lots of fun doing Carry On Abroad. And there was one scene when we were all thrown into the prison, to the jail. Do you remember? <laughs> and we are all thrown in there. And of course, you've got in this jail. Barbara Windsor, you've got Sid, Kenneth Connor was he yeah. in there. We're yeah. all in there and Bernard Breslau, and we all got the giggles. I don't know what happened, and no one could stop laughing. And Alan Hume, the lighting cameraman, he laughed more than anyone else. And so it was like a load of children. Jerry Thomas clapped his hands and said, now, now, come along, children. <laughs> Alan Hume had been working on them since the very first one, Carol Sargent as the cameraman, and even back in 1958, he was apparently, Gerald Thomas would say, Alan Hume would be behind the camera with a handkerchief stuck in his mouth. Trying not to laugh. the take. So, I mean, he was the biggest fan of them all, really. So, that was, that was me. Carol Hawkins, who played my friend. Mar what was her name? I was Lily. Marge. Marge. Yeah. yeah. And we used to laugh all day long. I used to say, it's a great job, isn't it? <laughs> we didn't get paid that much, but it was great fun. We used to go home worn out laughing. And you came back for Carry On Girls the year yes. after as well, and you had a small part there opposite uh, Jimmy Logan. Yes. It was fun. That should have been Hawtrey's part, really, but Hawtrey uh, was being naughty that week. Huh. Um, but uh, was that nice to come back and, and the old Yes, yeah. I mean, just marvellous. But of course, they were the last Carry On films, weren't they? Um, well, there were a few, but they, they, they declined, obviously. I think once Hawtrey uh, dropped out of them, I think they, they obviously then passed away and had to yeah. passed away. So it was, you know, the, the, last, the last few. Uh, weren't as popular as the other ones, let's put yeah. that way, but uh, they're, they're still good. They still buy the DVDs. Um, but I, I still I still get recognised, um, but so, these days people sometimes say to me, um, you look like her. Not that I am her, you just look like her, you see, and I always say, well, thanks very much. Yeah. Well, you haven't <laughs> changed a lot at all. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just being kind here, you haven't changed a lot. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, but I was in a restaurant just locally to where I live the other day, and um, it was really funny because um, there was a bit of a queue and my friend said, well, I'll go and get the drinks, Sal, and you stay in the queue. And this lady turned to me, and she was with her husband, whose name was Jim, I found out, and a party of people. And she said, uh, oh, it's very busy tonight, isn't it, dear? So I said, well, it is. I said, it's the nice weather. It's brought everybody out, isn't it? And then she said, oh, my goodness me, she said, you remind me. You remind me of that actress. You know the one. You see? <laughs> and she said, you know, she said, she was in Bless This House. She played Sid's daughter. So before I could say anything, she turned to her husband and said, hey, Jim, doesn't she look like that actress? And he said, oh, do you think so? <laughs> God, I must be having a bad day. Anyway, then she said, I know something about that actress. So I said, do you? And I was absolutely fascinated. You know, I thought, God, whatever can it be? So I said, what is it? And she said, that actress is Scottish. <laughs> so I said, what? <laughs> I said, Scottish? Is she really? She said, yes. Didn't she cover her accent?
that well. <laughs> so I, I could, there was no way then I could say, well, actually, it's me. So I said, she really did. She really did, didn't she? And then her table was called, and off she went, do you remember I told you, Hilary? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but of all the things on the list, Scottish yeah. was not there. Yeah, you know, it, could, it could be worse, though, couldn't it, to be fair? So that's OK. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> so, any more questions? Come on, Rico, get a question. Go on. Got it all covered. Have I? It's very comprehensive. It's all big <laughs> Oh, I can, I can go on for a long time, it? It's fine. Okay. okay. No, it's amazing. I mean, because uh, obviously, you know, today is the anniversary of his passing. Are you still in touch with, with uh, Valerie and, and, and family? Well, I, I mean, I. I didn't really, um, I mean, I knew Val, obviously, his wife, and Susan and Stephen, his children, used to come to the set occasionally, and I met them, and they were lovely. Um, but I saw Sue, his daughter, at Pinewood a few years ago, and we had lunch together. And she's just like her dad, isn't she? She's yeah. just like him. She's got his blue twinkly eyes. <laughs> and she's a lovely girl. He'd be very proud of her. And for the documentary, you didn't go back to Pinewood. When was the last time you went back to? Well, my agent is based at Pinewood. Okay. Yeah. So I go to Pinewood sometimes to see him, and I made him a music video. Did you? At Pinewood a couple of years ago. It was for Cancer Research UK. Okay. And I was dressed as Father Christmas. Of course you were. That sounds that sounds interesting. But but is it a nice? Things go back to the studios and, and you walk down that wall of fame and there's the, oh, yeah. the Master Sin, Kenneth Williams and, and, and Joel Thomas and yeah, that's, that must be quite a special feeling to, to, to walk past all those um, yes, mementos. Yes, yeah. it is. Really, really amazing. And I love meeting my old friends from drama school. I'm still friends with Richard O'Sullivan and I sometimes see Tessa Wyatt and people like that and it's lovely and you, you think, well, it's nice that we all started together and we're still here. So as I say, next you're you're happy to, to come back to TV if, if the call is made. And, yes. Um, yes. And, and pantomime, hopefully again yes. this year. Maybe. So, so <laughs> I've got the energy. Pressurised Bill Kenwright. I mean, it's quite strenuous, isn't it? I mean, mm. did you find it quite a quite a strenuous? Yeah, we did seven. Um, um, how many shows did we do? Seventy-six shows in God. five and a half weeks. Did you? Very often, three a day. Yeah. So you'd I was the first on and last off. So you'd very often come off stage. You have ten minutes and you're back on at the beginning again. It's very hard. Three times a day. Yeah, very hard. So it's exhausting. I hope you're well paid for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Could be better. <laughs> well, if there are no more questions, I, I, we are getting close to the end now. I've got a bit of, bit of housekeeping here. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Robert W. Ross Esquire. My website is robertross.co.uk, but it remains me to say that Sal will be signing autographs after the show, but please thank Sally Jason. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded live in front of an audience at the Museum of Comedy, Bloomsbury, London. Museumofcomedy.com.